0: this. Um, You all know him as the preacher, Eric. Some of you know him um, as son, Eric. Some of you know him as cousin or whatever. But I thought it'd be cool this morning before he speaks. Come on, man. Come on up here. (laughs) I'm going to put you on the spot. You didn't even know this was coming, did you? So have a seat. Sound guy's probably going to shoot me if we turn both of these mics on, but we're going to try it anyway. You're on? Turn it on.
1: Here we go. You got me? (laughs) Here we go. You got me, you got me. I can hear it. All right, right. so this is Eric
0: Hamilton. Everybody give Eric a round of applause. Hey. Everybody
1: knows me. I'm
0: A.G. I don't need an introduction. What I thought it'd be cool to do with Eric today is just get you to know him a little better. You might see him come in. Five minutes before or talk to him five minutes after but I thought it'd be really cool to just do a little interview I won't take a lot of your time I promise
1: is this gonna be like stump the chump no nope. <laughs> okay. okay
0: you're really nervous aren't
1: you I've never yeah this is unplanned this is great let's do this
0: so I know Eric um, I've met with him many times we uh, do phone calls and texting Eric is in a very unique season right now, and I want him to tell you a little bit about what he's been doing. Uh, He calls himself the circuit rider. Uh, He's been preaching regionally around the area here for pretty much all six months of this year, seven months Mm -hmm. of this year. So, Just tell us a little bit about that.
1: So uh, I've been in this journey. Uh, I've been going through seminary at Northeastern Seminary out of Rochester. And trying to get an education, the Lord told me to get my credentials, that could mean anything. Usually he doesn't give you a whole bunch of information, he just gives you something to pursue. And that's what I did. And through this journey, I've just been kind of learning who and what I am in Christ. My personal burden is that everybody gets a hold of your identity and authority through what God made you to be. In that place, you are most powerful. Uh, With that said, uh, I've I the Lord's given me a voice and I'm trying to learn how to grow in that and as a part of that the the doors have just been opening and opening and opening and in the gospel it says Jesus went from town to town preaching on a circuit and I was like boom it hit me and I just heard like you're a circuit rider so That's good stuff. Like a herald for the king. You just go around and prepare the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: awesome. So a couple more questions, totally live, unrehearsed. We didn't rehearse this, right?
1: Absolutely not. (laughs) All right. So if you
0: could say, AJ, get out of that stool um, and bring in any Bible character that you wanted to sit here and talk to you for the next three or four hours, excluding the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, because we believe, right? Holy Spirit is with us today. So excluding Father, Son, Spirit, anybody to bring on this stool and have a conversation with, who would it be?
1: Oh, man so there's just so many people that we look up to and so many lessons you can glean from any i i david is uh an amazing figure uh you know it seems kind of simple and we trivialize david you know he's the felt board hero killing giants and stuff but uh, i want to know i would interview him about his heart like the heart like what kept him in it like that passion for god the highs and the lows and the failings and the victories like that is the greatest picture of our Christian walk and I think there's a lot to glean from that.
0: Uh, where do we want to go next? If you could live on one food the rest of your life what would that food be?
1: Well I mean you could tell I've lived on a lot of food uh, So, uh, there, old, right. I, I tell everybody I'm like a raccoon I eat absolute garbage all the time. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of tacos. Uh, I could eat tacos every day of the week. Uh, like chicken, beef, or venison? N- you name it, man. Name Roll it. it in a burrito or a, a taco shell, and we'll just do it.
0: We got a dumpster out here. We could go get some uh, If you right got there.
1: some taco shells, we can have a uh, potluck after church. <laughs> this is horrible.
0: Maybe I shouldn't ask that yeah. question. That was we,
1: just question. Went, we just went down our uh, yeah. All right,
0: let's <laughs> get back to the serious side. Um, you got a group of, I don't know, let's say there's 150 of us here, maybe more with kids, that will pray for you. Okay, I know this congregation, I know they will pray for you. Mm -hmm. If you could give them one thing to pray for you for, what would that be right now in your
1: life? Man. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just, I'm always looking for direction. Like, I seek the Lord for that, but there is something to be said about the people of God and community to come around you. And sometimes God can give you a message that's in here a 1,000 billion times where he just tells you and tells you and tells you, and you're just like, God, I'm waiting for a sign. So direction, I always pray, ask for prayers for direction that, uh, you know, that he raises up people that speak into my life, that, uh, you know, affirm what he's been saying to me and just, you know, direction that's that's the best
0: well on that note let's stretch out our hands to eric here Uh, let's do exactly what we said we would do amen as a body god we thank you for eric uh we pray for provision for his family we pray for blessing on him and his family we pray for this clarity of direction uh god we just know he is a warrior just like he mentioned about david and uh, we just want to see him raised up in his destiny we pray great things for him Uh, we know that we know that we know that you have great plans for this man Uh, so just launch him into whatever that is supposed to be we stand behind him as a body as a body that's kind of supported him and just developing uh, over the last six eight months here as he's been coming to speak so we just release all that Uh, we pray these things in jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. Amen. all right brother (laughs) oh
1: boy that's awesome when AJ says, I feel like we're going to go over today, I should have asked why, AJ? <laughs> why would you say that? What makes you think that? You got it? We're good? Up. all right. Give me a minute. Better? Perfect. All right. So uh, really quick, uh, I got a lot to cut through. We're going I'll, to I'll get you out of here. Um, but yeah, yeah. I got a little bit here. We'll try to get you out of here by four or five. Um, so uh, to speak to what Ann was saying, the children of God are not for sale. All right. I haven't seen that. I believe in it. Like God, I want you to see today the length in which God will go to seek and save and redeem his people. And that is true of everything, especially that filthy, unholy, nasty thing that man does by selling his children. That is wrong, and they will be judged for that. That is wrong. Uh, I want you to hear, if you hear anything else today out of this, uh, I always like to uh, put it up front just in case you miss it, Uh, the holiness of God. God is holy, He is righteous, He is just, and He demands that we bring ourselves in front of Him and be blameless and righteous and just. And, and I know that that's an impossible thing for the heart of man, but we have a savior in jesus christ so i want you to see the righteousness and the holiness of god i want you to see the grace and the beauty and the majesty and the glory of the king jesus who is our righteousness and our grace and then i want you to see our place in this story so those three things Uh, we're going to be in exodus uh (laughs) and it, it fell on me the other day i was thinking i was like man i've preached old testament to them so much like there's a lot of there's a lot of hard lessons in here you know and i i everybody i've heard people like kind of discard the old testament and they all want to get into the new testament and the glory and they want to get into the the uh the gospel and and there's some awesome stuff and you see jesus moving through crowds and the spirit moving and the people responding But the Old Testament, man, this is great. This is the greatest foreshadowing of the coming King, Jesus Christ. And there's just, this thing is from cover to cover in the Old Testament, just filled with signs and wonder and testament to the glory of the person in Jesus Christ. So uh, we're going to be in Exodus 28. And this seems trivial. Uh, Like when I was going over this stuff, I was thinking, man... uh, the, like I asked the Lord, what do you have because I ask every time on the circuit whenever I go out and preach, what do you have for these people it's not like there's messages that apply to all of us, but I want to know what God has for you yeah. and and he just said flat out, give them Jesus Amen. that's it he's like, give them Jesus I'm like, well that, that that works but like could you give me a chapter or something you know and I was <laughs> I was just going through and I was looking in exodus 28 uh it talks about the garments for the priesthood and when we read this i want you to see jesus in the garments Amen. okay so i'm going to give you a history because i love doing this if we're here and we're not learning something we're just preaching and preaching is just words so exodus 28 and th- we're going to be 28 33 through 35 it's one of the first five books of the old testament which was the torah uh, author is mostly attributed to moses uh it was dated around 1400 to 1500 bc and that was sometime just before moses died uh one of the key themes of this whole book is obvious it's redemption if you can read this and miss redemption you need to read it again and again and again and again but this concept of freedom from bondage and it's just amazing how god weaves everything together like when ann's talking about freeing children, and and like the worship songs we're singing about how Jesus has come and freed us from slavery. Uh, this is all about redemption, and this is about their bondage in Egypt and being brought into a covenantal relationship with God, which is the person of Jesus Christ manifest. That's what he did. Uh, It says in uh, Exodus 22, this is one of the big ones for me. It says, uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And I want you to picture the world and the sin and the brokenness and this garbage that we're, as the Christian community, fighting back against that is figuratively and literally the house of slavery. And Christ has come to seek and save that which is lost. Uh, Key chapters in this book Uh, The the book of Exodus or 12 through 14. It's the climax of this whole thing and that is the blood of the Passover That's when God's people put the blood over the doorpost and the angel of death uh, passed over So that that is uh, that is really the highlight Um, This covers a crazy crucial time in the history of God's people as an early early nation and You know, like some of the scholars are at odds about when it happened or, you know, give or take between 1440 and 1280 BC. And uh, they can't really determine exactly when it was, but they've got a great idea. History's got some milestones and, and, you know, there was, this is a story of real slaves, real pharaohs, real landmarks. This isn't a figurative story in Exodus. This is all real and it can be corroborated through history. Um, two-thirds of this entire book happened within about the two years after they left uh, on, in their journey, uh, which is crazy. The Exodus is filled with this amazing stuff. Uh, it's, uh, I got in here my, 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 my notes. This is I- absolutely insane to me. Uh, it's like a startling scene after another. Like If you could go through the Bible and compile the greatest hits, Exodus is like the giant flashing light, like, dude, you still don't get it. You still don't get it to the people of God, right? You got burning bushes, seas are divided, man is falling from heaven to feed people in the middle of a desert. You've got people whining to God like, oh, I can't stand man. I want something different. Like I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or whatever. And he's just like, here, I've got some quail for you. Eat it until you throw up. (laughs) Right? So, so you got that. You got God ramming quail down their throats. You've got plagues. You've got slaves, literal slaves. You've got the king of Egypt, the pharaoh, a powerful man. You've got a pillar of fire guiding God's people through the desert at night and a tower, a cloud in the day. You've got Moses smacking a rock and getting water from it. These are absolutely incredible moments that you think that if you saw just one of them, it'd be enough for you right? Oh man, I just saw water come from a rock. This is great. You're the God of heaven, the Lord of Israel, right? Like, no, they just, the people of God keep forgetting and forgetting and forgetting who they are, but more importantly, who God is to them. That's heavy, that's the truth. So the several, uh, the, the last thing that I wanna communicate, this is a big deal. Lastly, there's a, there's a bunch of themes in the book of Exodus that can be clearly traced, which uh, everything in the Old Testament, I think, not everything, but a majority of the Old Testament teaching foreshadows the coming Messiah. It's prophetic language to tell all of God's people He's coming. And when He comes, I don't want you to miss Him. But the Gospels say that He came to His people and they received Him not, so they missed Him anyway. Right? And they knew the Torah better than any of us could. The Torah were the first five books of the Old Testament. like we said, but the... i got to get a sip here. Ah, there we go. So... The, the themes in the book of Exodus can be traced to the life and ministry of Jesus. And I broke down just a few of these before we get started, because this is important. I want you guys to, I want you to go home and read Exodus. That's your homework, right? <laughs> Moses, he reviewed, uh, he, he went up and he received the law on Mount Sinai from God, right? And then Jesus, in his ministry, gave the Sermon on the Mount to the people. That was his exclamation of the coming kingdom of God and the new way of doing things. This is what I expect of my people. So you've got Moses foreshadowing Jesus on the Mount. Moses lifted up a serpent on the pole, and that was in the wilderness, to give life to the people who were bit by snakes, these venomous snakes, which you could see as sin, right? Jesus. Similarly, was lifted up on a cross to bring eternal life to those who trust on him. The Passover served as a base of what Jesus uh, created through the Last Supper, and that was the communion that he instituted for his followers that we do today. Uh, Crossing the Red Sea is probably the most dramatic uh, event in the entire Bible, but theologians have agreed that uh, the crossing of the Red Sea is possibly the most if not the greatest display of God's love for his people separating everything just to get his people safe, protecting them, moving physical elements of the world just to protect his people. There is nothing God won't do to get to you, and there's nothing God won't do to provide a way for you. God loves you. God wants you. And God cares so much about you, he will defy the environmental physics out there to make a way if he has to. God will do what he's got to do to get to you, okay? This is huge. So uh, I want to jump in here, and uh, I want you to just get the idea that God is holy. He is righteous. He is just. And we are sinners. We are broken. We are so, so sinful. And that's hard to hear. Everybody's like, hey, don't call me that. That's Sunday. Like, but, but we're all sinners. We're broken. We're lost. We're, we're absolutely, the heart of man is just wicked. It's desperately wicked. And we need something to atone for this sin, so this is this is actually a love story. It's about intercession and judgment, and and uh, really this is this is the place of Jesus Christ. So I just want to give you Jesus. Verse one, uh, chapter twenty-eight, garments for the priesthood. Now take Aaron your brother. We get our introduction to Aaron and his sons with him from the priest. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to be down in 33 through 35, but I want to skip through a few of these just to give you some pointers. But uh, God calls, uh, so in this, Moses is bringing people through the wilderness. I need to bring you along on the story. I can't just jump in. But Moses is leading the people of Israel through the wilderness, and God's like, I want to talk to you. Come up to the mountain. So he goes to Sinai. And he sets the people set there and he goes up to meet God and God gives him the law. He gives him instruction and he's there to hear from God. And this is God speaking to Moses. And he says, take Aaron, your brother with his and his sons with him among the children of Israel, that they may minister to me as priest. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. It goes on to say that uh, in verse five, that they will make. It, uh, they shall take the gold, blue, purple, scarlet thread, and the fine linen, and they shall make an ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, a fine woven uh, in fi, uh, fine woven linen, artistically worked. That's pretty cool. Uh, gold is uh, is all over in the guy uh, in the Bible. It's present in heaven. It's it's a symbol of royalty, of glory, of majesty. Gold is. Uh, a very kingly, priestly thing. Blue is, is a prophetic color in the Bible. It signals prophetic. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus uh, in his prophetic ministry in earth as a man. So uh, the purple thread in here is a kingly color, and that is a foreshadowing of Jesus coming back as the reigning king, right? This is pretty neat. Scarlet, uh, that is really about the day of atonement, the day when God's people will stand before the king of the, the throne, the great white hall of judgment. And this will have, and we will have Jesus as our intercessor, as our high priest. So there's all these little details that God's telling uh, Moses to make these garments with. And I just pulling a few of these out. In verse nine, he says, "You shall take two onyx stones, engrave them with the names and the sons of Israel." And verse eleven, uh, "They will work with the engraver in the stone like the engravings of the signet, and you shall engrave on the stones the names of the sons of Israel." Uh, and you shall put two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as a memorial for the stones from the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear the names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. I think that's really awesome. God knows their names. I think it's so cool that God chose to put the names of Israel on the shoulders of the priest. Now remember, Aaron is just the priest. He is just the man, but it's the position of the intercessor. It is the position, the calling of the person to intercede between the people and the most holy of holies. Now, Aaron, this is a this is a garment that Aaron would wear. It's beautiful, it's ornate, it's colorful, it's it's gaudy, it's like the first fashion show show ever like this dude had the coolest underwear and britches in the entire planet ever like it goes on to display his garments and his shirt and his hat and everything like this was to signify like you could not miss Aaron walking by in this thing like it would bring instant attention and it it, it had Uh, It was just so, so detailed and ornate, but God put uh, the stones on the shoulders and with the names. And I just, I love the fact that God was saying, like, I remember your names, but he also put it on the shoulder, which is a foreshadowing of Luke 15, four through seven. And it says, so that the shepherd left the 99, do you remember that? And he searched for the one. And when he found it, he was, he was, uh, he was exuberant in joy, and he raised it up, and he placed it on his shoulders. And just even the ephod, even the part of that part of the dress, the part of the garment was on his shoulder as just a signal like, I am coming for you. I am going to find you, and I'm going to put you up, and I'm going to take you with me. I am here. Like, he's giving you little signals, just these little things that are so easy to look over. They're things to get excited about. Verse 15, you shall make the breastplate of judgment. That sounds super. <laughs> uh, breastplate of judgment, right? But also, think about uh, when you put on the, uh, the armor of God, there's a breastplate, right? So, so, there's all these things that tie together, but the breastplate of judgment, it's a Hebrew word, it, hoshen. Uh, if you're a note taker, good luck. Uh, but, it, but it also had blue and purple and scarlet thread and gold on it and, it, and it was doubled into a square that represented the four corners. He wanted it in a square of a measure equally on both sides to, me- to represent the four corners of the earth. The judgment of God is all-encompassing. No, no one, nothing will escape the judgment of God, Right? So, that is telling the people like there's this ornate beauty and there's this wonderful majesty in this gown and this priestly garment. But you also need to be aware that God is righteous and holy and just. And this person wearing it is the only one that can intercede between what you have done and the things that you have said and the ways that you have lived in a righteous and holy and perfect God. So, the breastplate, it goes down. Uh, just to pull out, if you've got it in verse 17, it lists topaz, sapphire, and diamond. I would personally like to give the new King James a demerit. Uh, it's not wrong. There's nothing wrong in the word of God. But I think that these, these uh says that these are the stones. It, I looked into it and it says that they were similar stones. It, it noted the color and that's why they selected that. But at that time in history, they didn't have the ability to uh, inscribe or engrave on those stones because of their hardness. So, not saying that that's wrong, just saying that it might have been different stones. Uh, I thought I'd throw that in there. That's kind of like your fact of the day. Uh, (laughs) Verse 21, the stones shall have the names of Israel again. And uh, there's an entire sermon. If you're a note taker, you can write down Romans 8, 28 through 30 underneath uh, verse 21. That, there's a whole sermon in that too. That's about Paul... Uh, That's when he's saying that the sons and daughters who have been predestined uh, and ordained the firstborn that he justified and that he also consecrated. Uh, So this is just talking about the sons, the Levites, the children of God. But what I want you to grab here is that God is just. God is holy. There's beauty in this garment. Now, you're sitting there and you're like, man, this guy is really going on about garments. This is pretty getting getting sane here. Uh, verse 29, Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on his breastplate over his heart. Right? And it goes on to list that there's two things, the Urim and Thummim. Uh, first of all, he put the names of Israel over his heart. And... It's funny that later on in the word of God, it goes on to say that God judges the heart of man, right? God judges the heart. He judges the heart. And the Urim and Thummim, those are just, uh, one means, Urim means guilty, Thummim means innocent, okay? He had two stones. And I won't go into this because I am not a theologian, but these two stones, in some way, shape, or form, they were used to... for the person wearing them to understand the will of god so they would bring anything a judgment any problems any issues they had before the high pri- Or before god the high priest would bring them and these two stones would say guilty not guilty or they would instruct him on how to deal with what is given so god even uh planned within the construction of this garment a way for man to find his will And not only to see the Christ, but to understand his will. So, uh, this is really the payload. Like, this is where I want to go with this. I I just wanted to give you some of that. And uh, verse 33 it says, Upon the hem, you shall make pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet all around its hem, and the bells of gold between them all around. A gold bell and a pomegranate, a gold bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe all around and it shall be upon Aaron when he ministers and its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out that he may not die verse 36 you shall also make a plate of pure gold and engrave on it like the engraving of the signet holiness to the Lord so I beat you down with with information about a garment, right? But what I want you to see is the great care and great detail of our Father God giving something to man that they can visually see and say, hey, as if pillars of fire, plagues, seas parting, and all these things weren't enough. I need you to see something that symbolizes my righteousness, my holiness, how absolutely in trouble you are and the need for intercession right? The need for intercession. And I grabbed 33 through 35 because the Lord spoke to me. Now I listened to probably 15 sermons on bells and pomegranates, bells and pomegranates. I'm not going to trivialize you with that. Everybody out there says it's something different everybody okay because the word is very very uh it's it's short on telling you the significance of those two but i looked into what they were rather than their meaning and what i suspect the Bible's trying to tell you and i want you to know that a pomegranate is a beautiful fruit they think theologians there's some now i'm not saying this is the word of god but some theologians believe that that may have been the fruit in the garden right Pomegranates are a holy fruit to the people of Israel. They have a, r- a ritualistic and, and a heritage, like a, a um, cultural meaning. Uh, it has a little crown on it, right? has a little tiny crown. Solomon developed his crown, his actual crown, after the crown of a pomegranate. And it represents the crown, uh, like the the Star of David, the points, which is pretty neat. I'm not trying to uh, spiritualize fruit, but, but it is clearly spiritualized in the Word of God because it's present in the temple. It's on the posts when you walk in. It's on the beams and the rafters. It's hanging off the high priest's garment. There's something there. Right, a pomegranate matters. Why? Like, let's look at these little things. Like the the uh, there's connections throughout the Bible about pomegranates. The blood of a pomegranate, they call it the blood, the juice, whatever. It is bright red. It is crimson red, and it stains absolutely everything it touches. Right? It is filled with seeds. Now, Jewish. I don't know if you call it custom or folklore. I can't tell you this is true or not, but they believe in in the Hebrew uh, customs that there's a mature and perfect pomegranate has 613 seeds. There happens to be 613 laws in the Old Testament. Uh, I Googled it. Google says there's anywhere between 400 and 1500 seeds. So don't go home and waste your time doing that. I'm just saying that they see significance in this fruit, right? Uh, it, it, it's sought after for its healing purposes and its medicinal purposes. Uh, the fruit of the pomegranate represents abundance, fertility, prosperity, but it also signifies atonement and eternal life. Boom, right? Pretty cool. So I'm not telling you that a pomegranate is going to save your life. I'm not telling you that it is the answer to your problems. I'm just telling you that there's these little tiny milestones in here, these little things that God saw fit to tell you and to communicate to you. Why on earth would a priest be wearing a pomegranate on his robe, right? You wouldn't wear one, right? So the next thing, it goes on, and it says, all around its hem had bells and a pomegranate. Bells and a pomegranate. And I don't want to like, labor this too much. I'll, I'll land the plane. But a bell. Why did they have bells? Okay, In the Holy Land, before they burned the incense, even to this day, they walk in and they got little bells on their pinkies. And they walk into the, the, in to do the ritual. And uh, they ring their little bells. And they say, you always enter the presence of God with noise. All right. I know that Psalm 104, uh, 104 says that we enter his gates with praise. And Thanksgiving, I may have that backwards. 95, Psalm 95 also says that we enter his courts with praise. Right. So both of those Psalms say close to the same thing. We enter the presence of God with praise. So what I want you to see in here, and I'm not trying to draw any crazy uh conclusions here but a pomegranate to the israelites to the hebrew culture and maybe even uh through what the meaning is of atonement and eternal life the pomegranate would almost represent the word and i don't mean just the word i mean the word right the word king jesus OK, so even here, God's saying, I'm going to hang these little things here on the high priest. Not only does the garment and the garb and the dress tell the whole world this is a holy, this is a beautiful, this is a righteous and blameless depiction of the Christ. But I put a little pomegranates on there, too, just in case you missed it. Right. And the bell, the bell. We enter his courts with praise. We make noise. That to me is screams. The word in worship. The word in worship. And and when you imagine this, Aaron walking through the town, walking through on his way to the temple, you could just hear it. Just I, I people have replicated these things. Have tried their best to make these garments. And and I listened to it on YouTube, which is. Crazy. I find so much stuff on YouTube. But this dude was walking around, and it was just like, shh, shh, shh. Like, you couldn't miss You could hear him from a mile away, right? But it was a constant reminder that... You are moving, this, this is the presence of God. It is alerting everyone. It's like a trumpet telling people, right? But God, this is, and it says in here that he has that so that he, he may not die, right? Well, that also was uh, had another reason that you cannot be in the presence of God without dying. Right? They would put a rope on the priest when he walked in so that they could pull him out if he died. Right? The bells also alerted everyone in the temple that was outside the holy area that he was in there doing his thing and that he was still alive. If those bells stopped moving, you're dead. Right? <laughs> Something happened. The priest is dead, right? Let's get him out. So the truth is, is that tells me. The noise, right? The, the, the worship, that is a sweet sound to God, the sound of bells, the sound of noise, the sound of praise, right? He wants us to be well-balanced people, people balanced of the word and people balanced of praise, we should make a joyful noise. That praise, I broke that word down. I tried my best. There's a Hebrew word and a Greek word. And the closest thing that I could find to the sound of the bells in this passage was profession. Not, not, not your job, profession, right? The noise of the bells professed the greatness and deity of Christ, So when you go into his presence, you bring a joyful noise and you rely on the word who we now have through Jesus Christ. Now, how does that apply? You're like, dude, it's just so much. How does that apply? Listen, this is the house of God. You are the people of God. You have a mission. You have a purpose in this community. Your profession of what Christ has done in your life is going to change their lives right? And if you're not professing and you're not walking around and letting the holy ring of what Jesus Christ has done in you, now that you got to remember, Aaron, the priest, he is a, he, he is depicting what he is wearing is depicting the Christ, the Messiah. But Aaron himself is not the Messiah. It is put on Aaron, this is something that Aaron is carrying. It's something that Aaron, it's, it's like walking around with bells all day, right? Like Aaron is nothing more than a conduit for God's glory and grace to the people around him. Everywhere he goes, they should hear glory and praise. And if it's not inside of him, it's around him. Even if he can't muster it himself, it's a part of who he is. It's what he's wearing. It's what he's doing. It is a signpost that God is here right? You need to have that. We need to have that. We need to elevate worship and the word as a house of God. You're going to have people coming to you that need help. They need assistance. They need salvation. They need Jesus. And we need to prioritize worship of the God most high and his son, King Jesus. And we need to be tethered to Jesus, the word, right? And, it, and that wasn't enough. He put it around them to remind them continually. But this is where I want to go with this. This is like, it gets a little weird. I get it. But this is, this is the payload, like the dump truck. Like I told my wife, I was like trying to explain it to her a little bit. And I was like, this is the dump truck where it's backing up. You hear beep, beep, beep. Like you hear all this stuff and all these facts and all these things. They're great, right? But where's the payload? Where does it matter? Where does it apply to me? How do I find myself in this? Let me take you to chapter 32. Chapter 32, it's called the golden calf. Anybody remember that one? Of course you do, right? Yeah, okay. So this is where I think we find our place in the story. Chapter 32, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, come, make us gods that shall go before us. And for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what's become of him. And Aaron said to them, Okay, I got an idea. Break off the gold earrings which are in your ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me so that all people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears. And they brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands. And he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, "This is our God. This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt." Uh oh, right. So, verse five: When Aaron saw it, he built an altar before God, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, "Tomorrow is the feast of the Lord." Then they rose early on the next day. They offered burnt offerings, it brought peace offerings, and people sat down to eat, drink and rose up to play now i will tell you that i looked into that and uh rose up to play has some pretty uh negative connotations uh it it, it's uh lewd unruly uncivilized and even ungodly behavior where do you go with that here's the high priest right here's the high priest wearing garb that represents King Jesus. They didn't know that. They didn't know when he was wearing it, I believe. I can't say un- un- unanimously, but I don't believe that he understood that he was wearing something that would resemble the righteousness, the purity, the holiness, the sinlessness, the glory and majesty of our King, Savior Jesus Christ. Here he is garbed up in this wonderful, beautiful, ornate dress, that, like this man dress thing, right? Like I don't want to, I don't want to degrade it, but, but this This garment. It was put on him, but yet he was quite possibly the most unqualified, wretched person there could be. I would not have picked Aaron as a high priest, and I don't think you would have either. You would have picked someone else that fulfilled the law, that didn't do all these terrible things, that didn't do the sinful stuff. Aaron was chosen by God to be the high priest, and while Moses was on the mountain, he was down there leading what was be the equivalent to drunkenness and an orgy over a God that was not the King and Lord of Israel. He gave them an idol and told them to worship it. That is not the characteristics of a high priest. <laughs> but, but what I want to land here today is that God knows our brokenness. He knows our depravity. He knows the things that we've done. He knows what we have brought to the table. He knows the things that are in our heart, the things that are in our mind. He knows the things you're wrestling with. He knows the things that you do when you're not here. He knows the things that happen in the dark. God knows it all. But because of Jesus, we are called a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood. The person of Jesus Christ is put on you. God said, give him Jesus. You have Jesus Christ put on you to make you righteous, holy, and blameless. Okay? Jesus Christ is your high priest. He is the intercessor to Father God so that we can stand before God in his glory. We are adorned in fine robes and linens. We are called a holy priesthood. Okay, and, and I know that this isn't an exciting message, but the truth is, is you need to understand that we're all a bunch of errands. We're all a bunch of errands. We're one heartbeat away from colossal failure most of the time. But you know what? God has called you holy and righteous and just. He's purposed you and given you all kinds of opportunities and gifts and things to do to light this world on fire for the cause of Christ. You want to see the spirit move in this body and in this community? Put on that person of Christ and be blameless. Believe that you are a new person, right? Aaron was a colossal failure, an absolute train wreck of a person. But yet, God chose him. Here it is. He depicts the garment that Aaron would wear. Well, he's down there doing ungodly things. God was on a mountain with Moses telling him, you will pick Aaron and you will consecrate him as my priest. And this will be the beautiful garment that you will put on this, on my son, Aaron. Well, he was down there doing that. The character of our God sees through the terrible stuff in our lives and the garbage that we do, and he's sitting there saying, man, I know you're doing that, and I know you're involved in that, and I know your heart's filled with that, and I know what you did when you were younger, and I know what you're going to do tomorrow, but I am going to adorn you in beauty and glory, and I'm going to heal you, and I'm going to bring you to high places, and I'm going to do amazing things through each one of you because that is the God we serve and you need to understand today that you have a holy and righteous purpose, okay? And don't get caught up in being the Aaron. Believe that you are the new man, that you are righteous and holy. And I also wanna point out, I think a perfect thing to land on is that I think that the bells and the pomegranates were an awesome reminder to Aaron himself also. He didn't know it when God was fashioning that. But God saw what he was doing. God knew what he was doing. But after the fact, and it was all said and done, and Aaron Aaron paid for this. Don't don't get me wrong, there was judgment on Aaron for this act. Okay? His sons died. He did not make it into the promised land. Aaron paid for this. The Lord the Lord did not take away the consequences of his sin. But I want you to think of one last thing. When Aaron was walking around in this garment and the bells were sweeping and making this noise, I think that every single step that he made, that noise, cut him to his heart. And said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Woe is me, for I have done so much garbage in the sight of my Lord, yet you have fit to put me here in front of these people to speak my heart, to tell them of the goodness of what you've done in my life. I sit there and I read this and it cuts me to the heart. You have no idea the garbage I've done in my life. And yet he would pick me up out of a gutter. He would change my life. He would save me. He would seek me and save me and then purpose me to do his work. But under the righteous garment of Christ, I am a loser. I am so broken. I am so imperfect. I have so much wrong with me that I would love to fix. But you know what? If I sit there, I will make no noise and I will not give the word of God any glory. Every step Aaron took, he was keenly reminded of the greatness of God, the mercy of God. And he didn't even know that Jesus was coming. Like he knew the grace of mercy of God. And he heard it. And it reminded him and that anybody in the children of Israel that came to him and confessed anything to him, Aaron, you're not going to believe this. Oh man, I did some really terrible stuff. What am I going to do as the intercessor for the people of God, bringing it to God? There is nothing that could have been brought to his doorstep that he could have been like, whoa, dude, that's messed up. He was wrecked. He was wrecked in the fact that he was unholy and unjust and imperfect. But, guess what? He was chosen. He was chosen, he was equipped, and he was representing blamelessness, holiness, righteousness, and perfection. It was something that was put on him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have access to Jesus Christ. He is put on you. You are not perfect. Amen. Some of you are close though, but you are not perfect. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But you guys are not perfect. I am not perfect, but you need to put on the righteousness of Christ. You need to know that you've been called and you need to walk blameless before your God. I have it here. First uh, 1 Corinthians 127. This is the best way to end it. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. I am foolish and I am weak, but God has purposed to use me to broadcast and announce and proclaim his greatness and glory in creation. There are so many people that wouldn't walk in this door if they knew that I was up here doing this. But you know what? I choose to take all of that garbage, bury it with the old dead man, and move forward with the praise and the glory and the word of the kingdom of God. I want that for you. I want that for you this morning. If you are here, if you are just visiting, if you're a regular attender and you haven't jumped head on long into a relationship with Christ, this is a love story about being brought back into covenant. I want you to make a joyful noise in your life, and I want you to know that the word of God is real. It is a person. It is a living and breathing person in Jesus Christ, and he is coming back.